You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Let's go in our Bibles today. New Testament, the book of Titus. New Testament book of Titus, chapter 2. Don't know what's in the bags, but we thank you very much for those gifts and for your thoughts towards us. Thanks for updating our family picture in the back. I know that uh, some of you are working on that and trying to get a hold of that from me, and and uh, we're glad you can see the rest of our family back there now. And uh, we appreciate your partnership with us in ministry and prayers. Thank you so much for praying for my family. Uh, we lost our dad unexpectedly about a week and a half ago, and uh, 67 years old, retired military veteran, my favorite Sunday school teacher, um, just a, a great family man and a businessman, and uh, is a loss that our family deeply feels, and we would appreciate uh, just continued prayers for my mom. Uh, my wife and I and children are planning to move back to Illinois for the remainder of our short furlough to base there and kind of help my mom figure life out from here on out would be a big adjustment and so pray for us as we try to minister to her and and that God would continue to comfort our hearts of our family thank you so much for your prayers for that um, I was going to introduce my wife and kids but uh, we're taking care of that thank you so much um, 13 years ago 14 years ago I was introduced to a beautiful nurse from Ann Arbor and this is her down here and Pastor White I don't think she's changed either and I thank God for uh, friends introducing me to her, and uh, thank God for the family that he's given us, two born in Oshkosh and two children born in Cameroon. Uh, my father-in-law is in the back here today, uh, Abby's dad, and he actually is the one that told me about Pastor White and your church, and, and I would thank the Lord for that as well. And uh, here's some stickers. Elias, don't let me forget to put those on the table. Uh, please feel free to take a sticker. Any way we can do to remind you to pray for our ministry, uh, pray for our family, pray for our country both America and Cameroon. Uh, we're feel, feeling a little bit American right now. We've been here for a couple of years and uh, looking forward to seeing what God would have us to do to readapt into Cameroon. It is a different country than it was when we left. Um, so please, please, please keep your missionaries in Cameroon, the Westcos, the Needhams, us in prayer as we uh, really are praying for wisdom and guidance on our ministry in a difficult time in Cameroon. Um, what time does the trap door open up here? <laughs> I don't know if... Okay, that's... I know. <laughs> I, I, I've heard everything I need to know, thank you. <laughs> but I will pry, I'll try not to preach as... Uh... Anyway, we'll see how God leads us here, and, and I'll try not to preach as long. Um, Titus 2, verse 11 to 14... For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 
Lord, I do just simply ask today that your hand would be upon this message, would be upon me. Lord, that you would open hearts, that you would do the work of drawing people to you, Lord, whether for salvation or convicting hearts of, of the saints here, Lord. I know that we're all doing a work, Lord, for you. And Lord, sometimes we need comfort. Sometimes we need encouragement. Sometimes we need to be convicted of sin. Lord, sometimes we just need to be reminded of truth and act upon it. Lord, whatever the case may be, I pray with all my heart today that you would speak to hearts, that you would do a work through your word. I pray, Lord, for churches this morning around the world, Lord, who perhaps many are meeting in secret, perhaps many are meeting not knowing what the end of their service would bring, Lord, perhaps you're saving a soul even now, Lord, I just pray that your work would be done, that saints around the world would be encouraged, that lost would be brought to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, I just want to speak to you, the title of the message is Jesus Christ, Our Grace and Glory, Our Grace and Glory, a topic that I trust you're familiar with, the blessed hope. Perhaps that word blessed maybe would take you back to the words of Jesus. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Do you ever wonder how there are so many things in the Christian life that two opposites wrapped up into one at the same time? We've been experiencing that lately with the passing of my father, how such difficulty through death, and death is a terrible enemy. Jesus Christ conquered it, and we have hope because of it. How can you wrap up death and at the same time you say goodbye to your father, but at the same time you know with all your heart that he's experiencing what he talked about his whole life, what he taught me, what he taught his family, what he as a military man lived out in his life towards us and in front of us. How could Jesus be God and man at the same time? How could you be blessed by mourning? Oh, but thank God for the blessed hope. And, and, and I know this, this topic should be near and dear to us, but we should never lose sight of the fact that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. It's a promise, just like the promise of salvation. In fact, it's all part and parcel of salvation. So much of the Christian life is we tend to compartmentalize and maybe focus and we tend to major on this at one point in our life. And we need to remember at times so many things wrapped up into one at the same time. And I trust today that you'll be blessed by this reminder of the hope that is in you, the hope of glory, Jesus Christ himself, in you because of salvation and coming again to take you to himself. I want to give you a statement this morning, and I trust that you'll think about this as we're preaching. When the luster of the world begins to fade, then the glory of the Lord begins to shine. Sometimes we let the world be too important to us, the things of this world and our, maybe our enjoyments, our responsibilities, or whatever the case may be, and every now and then God just reminds us it's not that important. This is what's important. And I trust we'll be taken to the Word of God to remind us of all that we have in Jesus Christ. And I want to give you a couple of words right at the beginning here. You ever heard of the word epiphany? I apologize for that big word this morning, but it is a Bible word. It's kind of uh, buried underneath our English here in verse number 11. Hath appeared. That was an epiphany. Down in verse number 13, the glorious appearing. That's a future epiphany. You can look up in your dictionary the meaning of epiphany, and one of the definitions is as we have it right here, a divine manifestation, the appearance of a divine being. And we know that divine being to be Jesus Christ. Epiphany also has the idea of kind of a light bulb going on in your life when you realize truth or when you finally make sense of something and and the lights go on and and, uh, you have an epiphany, a bright shining moment where something makes sense. 
When I was learning to fly, I was 18 years old, and uh, I'd been driving since I was 15, so I had a little bit of a background there. In the state of Kansas, you can do that. You can drive when you're 15. I think I was actually driving when I was 14. I got my license when I was 15 and transferred to Illinois, and they're like, nope. We gotta go through driver's ed. 16 years old is the minimum. Well, got my flying license in the same state of Illinois when I was 18. And I can remember the instructor, I was already had my ground school done and I think I had passed my knowledge test and we were learning how to take off and land at the Moline International Airport. The tower talking to us, telling us what to do and I was landing on top of the hotel or kind of flying over the hotel that I used to work at. And uh, every time I would work in that hotel, I would look up and see the airport and his dream of the day, maybe one day I could learn to fly. Well, I started taking flying lessons and I'll tell you those those landings, something about getting those landings down as a new student and you know the takeoff brings the adrenaline and you lift up off the ground and you're free in the air, but you got to come down. And the instructors beat their heads and just like drivers head in the car, whether this you struggle with this issue or that, but learning how to land, I can remember the day when I finally got it. Light bulb went on, everything clicked, everything just kind of melded together and you know what it's like to fly with an airline pilot who I mean, you can have a beautiful landing pass, your beautiful flight pastor from, I don't know where you take off from, Chicago, go direct to the Philippines, Detroit, all the way to the Philippines, a long flight. And you might actually have a miracle of a smooth flight. You might actually have good food. You might have good service. You might actually get some rest. And it could be a fairly enjoyable flight. But you come down to the end, if that pilot bounces or is too hard on the thrust reversers or your luggage is... Everyone's just shaking in their seatbelts. All comes down to that landing, and every pilot's goal is to make that perfect landing for his passengers. Well, remember the day when I finally got it, it clicked, and it's been my goal ever since to make a beautiful landing, even if it's in the mountains of Cameroon. The plane may shake, the plane may shudder, and you may not think it was a beautiful landing, but the pilot knows if it was good or bad, and pray for us as we fly over there, as we try to help people get from one place to the other, and, in, in speed and swiftness to get the gospel out. Let me ask you this question. What kind of epiphanies have you had in your life? Has there ever been a time in your life where this truth or that truth or whatever, the light bulbs just came on? God spoke to your heart and you understood truth from the word of God. Or maybe a scientific thing that plagues you and you finally understand how electricity works. Or this or that moment that came into your life and you understood something. I want to give you today three essential epiphanies that no one should die without receiving. No one should die without receiving. Number one, I'm, I'm just going to give you the three because I'm going to kind of turn these around. I don't like using this big word epiphany too much, and we're going to turn these three different thoughts around in different directions. But number one, we need the epiphany of salvation. Number two, we need the epiphany of sanctification. And number three, we need to remember the epiphany of the second coming. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever received by grace through faith the truth that God became a man, was born as a baby, grew up and died for your sins, paid the price for your sins, rose from the dead the third day? Have you ever understood who Jesus is and what he came to do for you? Verse number 11 says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I can just imagine the Apostle Paul as he's writing Titus and he's dealing with church truths in chapter 1. 
Verse number two, he talks about the hope of eternal life. Verse number three, he talks about God our Savior. Those are two terms we're looking at in our text this morning. But you come to chapter two and some very specific truths that the church needs to know. Truths for the aged men. Truths for the aged women. Truths for the young women. And truths for the young men. And truths for the servants as well in verse number nine. And how they need to live for their masters and those that they work for. And then perhaps Paul, in verse number 10, he's got done talking about those very practical issues and the Holy Spirit of God is leading him on what to say next in verse number 11. Maybe as he's pausing for a moment, as he has his quill and his parchment in front of him. Epiphany! It has appeared. The Holy Spirit begins to bring into his mind... How in the world all this makes sense? How does the gospel actually look from day to day? He's just described it to you. The aged men, the women, the young men, the young women, the servants, how they're supposed to live. What is that all based on? It was based on an epiphany. The day that Jesus Christ appeared on this earth. Make no mistake, God came down from heaven in the flesh as a baby. So when did this, when did this epiphany happen? When did this appearing happen? When was it that the grace of God appeared? Is it really available to everybody? That day that Jesus was born in the manger, the grace of God appeared. When the angels announced his birth and sang, the glory of God shone all around them, the grace of God appeared. When that eight-day-old eight baby was brought to the temple, Simeon and Anna were there waiting. The grace of God appeared. When the wise men came and brought their gifts, the grace of God was there in front of them. When that 12-year-old boy asking questions in the temple that nobody had ever considered, or maybe they didn't know the answers to, and he was sharing truth with them through question and answer time, the grace of God appeared, and it was available to all men. When that 12-year-old boy was baptized at around 30 years of age, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove as he was baptized, and the Father from heaven spoke, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. The grace of God appeared. When that same Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted, tempted to sin by Satan, came out strong with not having succumbed to that temptation, sinless as he was when he went in, the grace of God appeared. Do you know how necessary that was that he came through that temptation? Just as sinless as when he went in, the grace of God appeared. And as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, walked on this earth, preaching the gospel, teaching in the synagogues, healing leprosy and fevers and those who are lame, things that doctors today still cannot heal, the grace of God appeared. And all men saw and marveled. Many accepted who he was and what he came to do. When that same Jesus fed 5,000 people on one occasion, 4,000 on another, the grace of God appeared. And when that Jesus died on the cross, never having committed sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21, as we heard this morning, no sin, no sin, no sin in his own life, in his own nature, sinless, a lamb without blemish and without spot. That Jesus was crucified, died a terrible death because of your sin and my sin.
Every single person in this room is a sinner. You were born that way. You've evidenced that throughout your life. And nothing you can do can change that. Nothing you can do can erase that. Nothing you can do can make you right before God and take away the thoughts in your heart that perhaps condemn you. Nothing you can do can change that. But the grace of God can. That same Jesus who died on the cross rose from the dead. That same Jesus went to heaven and is right now interceding for you. That same Jesus is coming again, as we'll see in a few minutes. The grace of God appeared through Jesus Christ. And his grace and his salvation is available to all men, including you, including Africans, including Russians and Chinese and Iranians and Iraqis, Mexicans, <laughs> the list could go on and on, and even including the tribes of all those places, thousands of tribes around this world, the grace of God is available to all. We need the epiphany of grace. Not only did Jesus Christ come in an instant and in his lifetime in all those things that he did, but you yourself need to respond to that. You yourself need to accept the gift of God's grace. You need to receive God's gift of salvation. God's gift, Jesus Christ himself, can be yours. For by grace are you saved through faith. Titus himself tells us, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. Do you have that salvation this morning? Do you possess the greatest gift ever given? Jesus Christ. When I was a boy of six years old, my military father, I mean, I grew up going to work and seeing the tanks and the helicopters and the army clothes. He was my hero. But one day, my dad pulled me out of a service, burdened for me. I don't know the story, exactly what was going on in his own mind. But he pulled me out of the service and preached the gospel to me. <laughs> I tell you, I had an epiphany that day. The lights went on when I heard the gospel preached to me. My friends weren't around. My brothers and sisters weren't there. I had been going to church ever since I was little. My dad taking me every Sunday, every Wednesday, to Awana, to all these programs. But that day, the lights went on. And I saw in my mind for the first time that Jesus died for me. I know the Bible says, for God so loved the world, and that's what my dad preached to me. But in that instant, I realized I'm part of the world. And I needed a Savior. And by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, I can look back on that day and know from that day forward, I was saved. That I had received God's gift of grace, God's gift of salvation, and I had a new light guiding me from that very moment. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, but on that day, I trusted in him myself. What about you? At any moment during this service, you could come forward and trust Christ. Somebody can take you aside and just help you pour your heart out before God and just simply receive what Jesus did for you. That gift is available to you this morning. Number two, we see right inside this text that not only do we have a, a grace that is saving, but we have a grace that is desirous to make you holy. We need to receive God's gift of salvation, but we also need to receive God's desire to make us holy as Christians. 
This grace, this gospel teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that's the negative part. When you deny sin in your life, when you realize that Jesus died for a reason and not only are you forgiven, but now he expects you to make some changes here and there to be a different person. That new nature that he gives you begins to work and, and show you things, maybe in a positive way, maybe in a negative way, but right here at first it's negative. There's a denial that begins to take place as you realize certain things that you've done are wrong. And sometimes, isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit immediately convicts you as a new Christian or some things that you just know right away. Wow, I shouldn't do that anymore. Nobody told you. You just know. And some things, as you open the Word of God and begin to read, I hope and trust as a hungry Christian, you want to know what else is there inside this book. And you begin to read with joy, perhaps maybe a little confusion, but always learning something new. And that's part of this teaching. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, I tell you, there's a lot of that out there. There's a lot of that right inside here, right inside your own heart, right outside your front doors, right in your own town, whether a small town or a big city, you don't have to go far to find ungodliness and worldly lusts. You can find it in your television, you can find it on your cell phone, you can find it next door to you. It just, it bombards us. And we have to, as Christians, learn to deny, to deny those things. Well, there's a positive aspect. Not only do you see this epiphany of sanctification, but when you deny sin, but also when you begin to live for God. Denying sin, you know, you've got to replace it with something. Christian life is not all negative. It's not all don't do this and don't do that. And God will show you what those things are in his word. Well, there's a very positive aspect here. And we need the Lord Jesus Christ himself to, to have this epiphany of godliness. Godliness. That we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Right here, right now in this present world. What is it that our generation would desire to bring us down with? That's your present world. You know, the Baptists of 200 years ago, they have had their struggles 400 years ago. In Europe, the Anabaptists were running for their lives and meeting behind waterfalls so they could sing and nobody would hear them. The believers in Cameroon are meeting in a different way than you hear in America. What is your right here, right now? What is your present time? What are your challenges that might tempt you to say it's not possible to live godly? No, the Bible says that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I want to encourage you this morning not only to receive the epiphany of grace for salvation, but this epiphany of godliness. I hope and trust that the lights have gone on in your life at various times. Verse number one of the same book, chapter number one, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. See, when we get saved, another step after that is growing in grace, growing in that grace. Maybe you need to be baptized this morning. Maybe you just need to surrender something that you've been struggling with. And maybe you don't know how to surrender, but just ask God, just tell him about it. I guarantee you he'll come in with strength. Let me encourage you this morning to be on that path of the just that says a shining light that groweth more and more into the perfect day. 
that epiphany of sanctification. I, I trust and pray you've had times in your life where you're reading the Word of God and a light goes on. Wow, I shouldn't do that anymore. Or, wow, I need to be doing this. Would you consider that this morning? What it is that God would have you to do as a Christian, whether to not deny something or to grow in grace and begin to live for God in a particular area. Thirdly, this morning as we begin to come to the end and to one of the main points of this message, I want you to see the epiphany of the second coming or the epiphany of glory. We see grace, we see godliness, but we also see glory here in verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a lot in this verse, and I don't know if I'll be able to cover it all, verse 13 and 14, but whatever stage you're in this morning in your Christian life, whatever, if it's a hard, difficult time, if it's a great time, if you're in a blessed state, this state of looking at times is overlooked. You know, one of the things that my dad was constantly talking about, reminding us of, and studying was this whole idea of the blessed hope of the second coming of Jesus Christ. You say, what does that have to do with us here right now? I tell you, it ought to motivate you in every single way. Whether it's evangelism and winning the lost, or whether it's trying to live more godly, or whether you're trying to, to, to get into a, a place in your Christian life where if Jesus comes back, you, you can honestly say that you, you did what you knew you were supposed to be doing. Teaching us, or verse number 13, looking. There's the grace that helps us to look. There's saving grace, and there's teaching grace, and then there's this looking grace, looking for that blessed hope. You know, the word blessed means something to do with happiness. <laughs> I tell you, if you've never had a chance where something happens in your Christian life and it just makes you look forward to that day, this hope is a blessed hope for hurting Christians for Christians who are active and busy, for Christians who are growing in grace and learning the Word of God, this looking grace is for everybody. It's for everybody. No matter what place you are in your spiritual life today. I thank God for the moments in Cameroon when we, and I may have told you about this before, but we first arrived in Cameroon and uh, there's all kinds of things that happened in getting us acclimated. And, you know, we had an epiphany pretty soon after we got there. We weren't in Wisconsin anymore. <laughs> The light bulb went on very fast, and we knew what to expect somewhat. We had been there once before, but life changed, ministry changed, and we wanted to be close to God, and we wanted to be involved in starting a church and, and uh, flying the airplanes and, and raising our family, and so everything that you, that you have to do, we wanted to be involved in doing that by God's grace, and Tom Needham dropped me and my wife off in the bush. Um, I had already been, I had trekked in the bush, and was on a week-long trip walking through the mountains, and while the light bulbs went on on that trip, I was able to see for myself the value of the airplane. You know, if you have a pilot who's going to fly out and help people fly the airplane, he better know and appreciate what he's helping people overcome because, you know, you can be a pilot over there never having walked through the jungle. You may not have an empathetic heart when somebody calls you and says, I need to come out. <laughs> well, we walked through the jungle for a week and taught and preached and starved and got sick and so many different things on that trip but there was another trip that Tom dropped me and my wife on and we taught in a conference in, in Akoya. We preached the word of God. She taught the ladies and I was teaching the men 
And the conference was over, and the day came when the airplane, my coworker, Brother Tom, was supposed to come and get us. And the appointed time came, and the appointed time went. <laughs> well, the next hour, when, well, he'll, he'll come in the next hour, came and went. Another hour came and went. So on and so forth till we're coming. We went, we went walking, we, went, uh, we talked, we were reading books, we were talking to people. And I told her, I said, 5 o'clock is the deadline. It's like, I know what time he can't come after because we won't be able to reach before dark. If he doesn't come by 5, we're stuck. 4.55, 4.56, I heard the most beautiful sound I'd ever heard. <laughs> And I liked that sound before that day, but that day that sound became precious. You know, we spent the entire day looking, waiting, watching expectantly, knowing he was going to come, just knowing he was going to come. And he came. And he came. You know that's what this word looking means? It's a confident expectation based on a hope that is also a confident expectation. See, the word hope in the Bible is a word of confidence. The word looking here is a word of confidence. And it also has the idea of us accepting by faith that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're not just looking for something where, and I understand that nobody knows the day or the hour, and I understand that we've got to live life and we've got to stay busy and, and we need to be serving God, but there ought to be in our hearts when we wake up in the morning, today could be the day when we see the Lord. Are you looking for him this morning? Do you need that grace that will teach you to look, to wait for that blessed hope of the Lord Jesus Christ? We don't have time this morning to look at the word hope throughout the New Testament, but I tell you it's a glorious word. Colossians chapter 1, verse number... Sorry, I thought I was there. Colossians chapter 1 gives us a, a beautiful verse number 5 for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. You know, Jehovah's Witness would love to tell you, oh, the Bible doesn't talk about heaven. It doesn't tell you that you have any expectation of being in heaven. My Bible does. For the hope which was laid up for you in heaven. Verse number two of Titus chapter one, we bypassed so many verses about hope, but in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before you were ever in existence. We just walked into that great promise. The day you were born, you had access to all these promises. And God even knew you were going to be born. And the hope of eternal life is a wonderful expectation that Christians can have. We also have the hope of this blessed coming. Second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think I've really said all that I want to say today, but I want to kind of wrap up with a story in, in the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is... You're in Titus chapter 2, and flip on over to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to try to tie this, a little bit of this, these things together this morning. <clears throat> Thanks. Luke chapter 2 has the uh, great and famous story of the birth of Jesus, but something happened at the end of the probably 40 days or after the purifying of the Jews. And it's interesting, Mary and Joseph are there obeying the law of Moses from the book of Leviticus. Seven days, they're supposed to bring your male child to be 
purified and on the eighth day he's circumcised and 33 days later you're supposed to offer the sacrifices for the purification of the mother and that's what's going on they're following the law of Moses and what happens the grace of God appears <laughs> in walks Mary and Joseph with Jesus and here you have this wonderful gentleman this older man by the name of Simeon what was he doing who was this man behold verse 25 of chapter 2 in the book of Luke behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and that man had experienced the saving grace of God the Bible says he was just that man had experienced the, the sanctifying grace of God the Bible says he was devout and that man had experienced the looking grace of God he was waiting he was waiting he was confident what is he waiting for you know it's a little bit there's a small difference between what you could be waiting for Jesus to come back and what Simeon was waiting for the Messiah to come the first time would you be interested in being something of a modern-day Simeon today saved or just and devout and someone who's waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Look what Simeon was waiting for. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. What is that? What's the consolation of Israel? Well, you may be familiar with the book of Isaiah. The first 39 chapters is somewhat of an Old Testament, uh, perhaps looking, looking into the Old Testament. And from 40 to the end of the book is somewhat of a New Testament theme of grace and comfort and the coming of the Messiah Isaiah chapter 40 verse number 1 comfort ye comfort ye my people saith your God speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished that her iniquity is pardoned for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins I tell you Israel was waiting for that day of saving grace through the Messiah himself Simeon was a man who was waiting and talking the fact that the Messiah was coming at any time and the Holy Spirit the Bible says was upon him and showed him that indeed his waiting would not be for nothing in fact he would get to see it before he died he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ do you have any idea what a wonderful revelation that would have been to this man and he took it by faith and he was led by the Spirit in verse 27. He was brought into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, here you have a man being led by the Holy Spirit, and, and, and the grace of God is kind of pictured here with Jesus coming in. You have law and grace, Old Testament, New Testament, and it's all just being wonderfully shown here. Simeon took this child and blessed God and began to pray, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Anna, verse 38, was also looking and teaching people of the redemption that was coming. I tell you, I want to be a modern-day Simeon. My father passed away before Jesus Christ came back. He was pretty sure, Pastor White, he would be able to see the rapture. <laughs> he was pretty sure. Simeon, the difference between my dad and Simeon is that Simeon got to see Jesus the one he was waiting for. My dad didn't get to see him. Well, that's not too bad. My dad is more like Abraham. The Bible tells us the patriarchs didn't get to see what they had by faith believed. 
They're seeing it right now, I guarantee you that. But they didn't get to see it in their life. You know, you or I could be like Simeon. We could be waiting and watching for Jesus to come, and he could come. And you wouldn't be surprised. I don't know, perhaps, Pastor White, if it's heresy to say that right before Jesus comes in the rapture, our hearts might tell us something, like the Holy Spirit told Simeon. I don't know. But I do know I want to be ready. I want to be watching. I want to be waiting. Are you saved this morning? Have you received God's gift of salvation? Have you received God's desire for holiness? Have you received God's promise of his glory, the coming of Jesus Christ? You know, my dad passed away before he saw the Lord in rapture. But I guarantee you he would have said something like this. Better to have died waiting than to have lived without looking. That, I believe, is my dad's legacy to us. And, and I'm still trying to figure out why the Lord took him and maybe what, what there is to learn through this and what more is there for my dad's life to teach us that we need to discover. And I know he would have told me, don't worry about that, just... Stay in his book. Keep doing what you're doing, son. And look for the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's coming soon. My dad had a great heart and a love for Israel and for the prophecy and for end times, but he had a great desire to serve God and raise his family into here and now. What about you? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we'll ask Pastor White to come up and lead us in an invitation song. I just encourage you to do a little business with God this morning and come if you need salvation. Whatever prayers you need to pray as a Christian to draw closer to the Lord. But I want to encourage you as well to talk to God about looking, about helping you to look, anticipating the coming of Jesus Christ. God bless you, Pastor. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.